Hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Amen. Can I share a testimony with you guys? I-, I promised the Lord that when we came back, I've been asking Him for encounters, right? And we were in a series called Encounters. And part of that, I promised the Lord that anytime He did anything, that I was going to steward what He was doing, right? That we weren't just going to keep it hidden, but that as God did things among us, that we were going to put it on display because this is all about Him, not about us, right? This isn't about our worship. Your worship is for Him. Our sermons are for Him. Our our going is for Him. And so part of how we do that and we keep it all about Him is anytime something happens, we shift the glory back on Him. And so last week, as... um. As I was sharing, I really felt compelled to, to share with you guys about giving, right? I told you that, that I believe that we're about to enter into a season of, of reaping. But for us to reap, we must sow, right? We must have seed in the ground. And I promised you guys that I was going to do more teaching on this. And last week I was sharing, and for those of you that don't know, I don't know, how many of you know my brother Kenny? Where is Kenny at? Hey, you want to come up here, bro? No, I'll just share it. That's fine. You look confused. Sorry, guys. Oh, that worship got me all kinds of twisted upside down. But I was sharing last week about trusting God with every area of your life and about giving and trusting Him even in areas where you might feel uncomfortable. And so last week, we, we were taking offering, and, and at about 11.37, I said, hey, let's sow and trust the Lord. Put seed in the ground because God's about to do something. And for those of you that don't know, because of the pandemic and everything that's been going on, my brother's been without a job. And so we started a company, but then all of that happened with COVID. So everything was slow. And so last week he felt compelled to, to sow, right? And to give and to trust the Lord. So at 1137, it was 1137, right? 1137, he sends the message text to give. And at 1138, you understand, that's like, it could have been 1137.45. At 1138, immediately after he sends the message, he gets a call from a job saying, hey, we want you to start working. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Isn't that... It's amazing. And I don't, I, that, that has no kind of strings attached to it. That's just God's goodness. That's like, it's who he is. And as we learn to expand ourselves in this area of stewardship and of giving, I believe this is going to be the beginning of many stories. Of us saying, man, when we trusted God, I believe, listen, I believe we are meant to live in awe of God. You understand? Like we're supposed to live in awe and wonder. And the only way for us to live in that kind of place is to not live a stagnant life. It's to put ourselves in positions where we're like, oh God, if you don't, then I don't know what's going to happen. And it's in those moments where we trust him with, I'm talking even beyond finances, but finances is a part of it. When we choose to trust him in those areas, we see God pour out. And so I want to read this to you. It's in Malachi. It's an amazing, he the writer's talking he says bring all the tithes this is malachi 3:10 bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in the temple if you do says the lord i will open up the windows of heaven did you hear that let me read it again i will open up the windows of heaven for you and i will pour out a blessing so you so great you will not have not have enough room to take it in that's a promise right there like that god's blessing would continually flow and it will flow to you in such great measure that you won't know what to do with it Listen, in the time of Solomon, there was so much wealth that they were literally throwing silver on the side of the road. That's old covenant, guys. That's like before what we live in now, it's available. So I want to encourage you with that testimony, man. God is good as we step out in faith, amen? He is, and I just want you to live blessed. I have this conviction that everyone who's a part of this house will be blessed. 
in every area of their life, in their finances, in their health, in their spiritual, emotional life, you will be blessed because that's his promise. Amen? Amen. So let's take that seed. They should be putting a slide up about how to give. You can give cash. You can bring it up or to the box in the back. Or you can uh, text to give that number right there. Or you can give at abidechurchfl.com. Tons of ways to give. I'm going to pray. Father, wow, I feel your presence in this place, Lord. And God, I ask, just humbly ask that you would give us the capacity to trust you in every area of our life, God. I'm believing for that for me, that we would fully and wholly trust you, God. I thank you that your promise says that as we give, that you will open up the windows of heaven. So God, let us be a people who live in open heavens. We want that, Lord. Open heavens. And bless the giver today, Lord. I ask that you bless the message. That, that it would speak in, into our hearts today, God, what you spoke to me. And that it would move us in a mighty, mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you as you give. You can get up or bring it to the back, however you want to do it. Y'all ready for the word? I, um, I was asking the Lord, what we've been going kind of chronologically a little bit about through some different um, God encounters that have happened through the Bible and what that means for us. And we feel like we're in a season of encountering God in greater ways, right? But as we position ourselves and as we believe, knowing that he is fully available. I want to start here. This is the plumb line. God is fully available. He is fully available to you. When, when Jesus said that he, would he would die and raise up and tear the veil, that would mean that he would tear any separation between you and him. That any separation that would keep you from fully, fully coming into his presence and fully receiving him and him fully receiving you would be broken. So I just want to say it doesn't really matter what kind of baggage you walked in with today. God is fully available for you. He is for you. He's not against you. And what he's after is your heart. He's after relationship. He's after your heart. And so hear me. I want to preface this. We do not wait until we have it together to give God our heart. We give God our heart and then we get it all together. We allow him to reconstruct and reconfigure and do whatever he has to do. Our job is not to judge, it is to love. Right. To fully love him, and then we can fully love people. And I want to preface this because what I'm going to talk about today can, can kind of fall because I, what I want to talk about today is the fire of God. And last night I had a dream. I had a dream. And it's actually a dream I've had multiple times, but, but I was reminded, and it was probably because I was studying this. But I've, I've been studying about the fire of God because the Bible says that when he comes, he will baptize us with the Spirit and with fire. Meaning there is a legitimate real baptism of fire that is supposed to fall on believers that would endue them with power. That would purify them, that would cleanse them. And why do we need to be purified? Why do we need to be cleansed? Because we, because we are to be in communion with the Holy God. And anything that robs us of holiness would create separation between us and him. And he wants no separation. As close as I am to this podium is how he wants to be with you. Reestablishing what was established once in the garden. And so I've been thinking about this term refining, refiner, right? That God would refine us and that his fire would touch us and it would baptize us, but not in a weird way, right? Because I know it can get really weird real quick. Some of us, we think about the fire baptism and we're thinking about some weird Pentecostal stuff. I'm talking about God doing an inward work, right? Like an inward, that, that the fire of God would change more on the inside of you than on the outside of you. Because we've become really good at, at expressing on the outside so we can look more spiritual. But what God wants to do is he wants to solidify something on the inside of us. And so I had a dream, and actually, I think I was standing up here, had the same vision, where we were all worshiping the Lord. 
And as we were worshiping the Lord, fire started to settle on top of people. And as it started to settle on top of people, I got nervous. You understand? Because I'm kind of in charge of the shindig. He's in charge, but like. And so in, my, in the thing, I was like, there's fire on people, and that's dangerous, and our insurance. This is what I was thinking about. That's <laughs> what I was thinking about. I'm just being honest. I'm not, not, that, 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 not that saved. But as the fire started to fall on people, I saw literal things begin to fall off of them. I don't know what they were. And the reality is it doesn't matter what it was. All I knew is there was a purification that was happening, but the people were not bothered by the fire. It's like the moment that thing landed on them, it, they had received all that they had been waiting for. And many times we've got it all twisted in the church because we've been, we've been waiting on many things. Well, only if the man of God can pray for me, then I will. Only if I get the right word, if he preaches the scripture that I read on my Bible plan this week, then. But the truth is what he's looking for is a position people that would say, God, whatever you have, if it is your fire that is meant to purify me, then come. Then come. And so all throughout the Bible, we see these, these moments where there was these, in, these engagements with fire from the very beginning of like even Exodus 3, where Moses is going about his day, right? And he, he finds himself in a desert because he had killed someone. So he's a murderer. Not only is he a murderer, but he's a coward. All, all that to say is Moses was one of the greatest leaders in the Bible, but he wasn't always that way. Moses finds himself in a difficult situation and he flees to the desert. And in the middle of shepherding, he goes from living in the house of Pharaoh to shepherding. He finds himself in this place where he's walking. This is Exodus 3. I'm in Malachi. Whew. It's way different. I want to walk us through this, and I don't want to take long. If you read the story, it's Moses in the burning bush, and he's walking, and he says this. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father Jethro, the priest of Midian, he led the flock into the wilderness, and he came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. This is what I was talking about. Our life as believers should be in awe and amazement of God. Yeah. Not this mundane, oh, I got to discipline myself. What is that? Could you imagine if I talked to you about my relationship with destiny? I'm like, I have to discipline myself to love her today. I got to force my, you know how dysfunctional that is? That we, come on, that we would live in amazement of him. And so it says this, though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't the burning bush, why isn't the bush burning up? I must go see. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, watch this. When the Lord saw Moses responding to what he was doing, he said this, do not come closer. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face, for he was afraid. There was a fear of the Lord. Let me explain to you. There is a healthy fear of God. I, I genuinely believe that we have become too common. It's become too common for us. In revival lingo and us saying this, sometimes I hear about like, well, I saw God in that corner. Every time somebody saw God in the Bible, something different took place. It wasn't like, well, there he is, I saw him. No, there was this like, oh my gosh, you know, they would bow low, they would fall to the ground as dead. There would be a response to what happened to them. So here's Moses, and he responds, and then he goes on to call him. 
right? He goes on to call him to free the people that were in bondage, the people of Israel, 430 years they had been crying out. He says, I have heard their cry. But I love this because the first kind of situation we see in the Bible that is based around fire, and there's more, Abraham, the sacrifice, there's lots. But this one in particular, I love because I love the reality that God would meet a, a murderous coward in the middle of the desert, in the middle of his, of his mundane, shepherding wasn't an MVP, you know, I'm a shepherd. No. He was out in the middle of nowhere, but in that place that God would prepare a place of encounter for him. But here's the truth. In those times, it was not uncommon for there to be burning bushes in the desert. It was a dry place. There wasn't a lot of rain. So it wouldn't be nothing for them to realize that, to, for him to see that there was a bush that was burning. But, but Moses had the capacity to turn aside. Are you hearing me? He had the capacity to say, listen, it's not just a burning bush. It's a burning bush that isn't burning. And sometimes, I want to say this to you, man. We need to, we need to gain within us the capacity to, to stop, slow down, and realize what God is doing among us. I love that my brother came up to me last week, not just because he's my brother, but I love the fact that he came up to me and said, at 1137, I texted at 1138, he responded. Because many of us, we've gotten so used to living in this goodness and this thing that we take it for granted. But remember, this stewardship thing is important. That we would say, God, you're amazing. 1137 and 1138? What is he doing? He's displaying his character to us. He displays who he is. And as he displays who he is, he had revealed himself as El Shaddai, but he reveals himself to Moses as Yahweh. And you see, every time he, we encounter him and we step in and we turn aside from the busyness of life, Moses had a job to do. He was a shepherd. It took him stepping away from his daily routine to enter into what God had for him. It took him, and listen, so God says to him, the ground you're standing on is holy. I believe that many times we're standing on holy ground and we lack to realize it. We lack to realize that God is doing something among us because we're so caught up with life and our shepherding and our families and our this and our that that we, that we fail to fully engage our hearts with him. And so you see again later on, I think it's chapter 19. He goes on and he goes to Egypt. There's plagues and the people get delivered. There's a song of deliverance. And so now he's leading these, uh, it's a bunch of people. It's a bunch of freaking people to try to lead. A bunch of dysfunctional people. And, and, and the Lord calls him up on a mountain, and he wants to reveal himself to Moses. And we read this, and we're like, oh, yeah, Moses, climb. No, no, no. God called Moses up on a mountain and said, meet me there. And they were all afraid. They were scared, like, for real. And we read it, but listen, you need to read through this and realize, he says to them, oh, Jesus, help me. He says this, now if you obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the people on the earth. What a, that's highlighted on mine. That's a promise. You will be my own special treasure from among all the people on the earth, for all the earth belongs to me. And then he says this to them. This is, this is Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6. And you will be my kingdom of priests. My holy nation, he's speaking them, this over them, and he's giving them instructions on how to go up the mountain. And here's my conviction on this. I believe that God wanted to meet every single one of them on the top of that mountain. I believe that he had delivered them from that place of bondage where they were crying out and saying, God, I got to have you. I got to be delivered the same way many of you are crying out. 
We come into church and we put on our happy faces. Oh, I'm good, brother. Highly blessed. But many of us, we carry stuff that we've been crying out. God, take it. Whether it's bad mind sense or it's, or, it's, or it's healing that we need. And we cry out to God and he sends us a deliverer like he sent us a deliverer. His name is Jesus in case you didn't know. And the next progression after he sends the deliverer is let's climb this mountain. We must climb the mountain of the Lord. And he says to this, you must purify yourself. Oh, man. <laughs> then the Lord said to Moses, this is verse 9. I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak to you. Come on, he wants to speak to you. Then they will always trust you. What, what is he saying? Listen to the principle there. If you hear my voice, you will always trust me. Did you hear that there? It's not said, but it's inferred. Listen, I will come to you thick as a cloud so the people themselves can hear me when I speak. Then, then what? Then they will always trust you. They will, there will be trust. Go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow for, and wash their clothes. So Moses did, went down the mountain and he consecrated them for worship. I'm reading all my highlighted parts. Sorry, that's verse 14. <laughs> And so on the morning of the third day, listen, you need to see this in a picture. I wish the chosen would have done this scene, right? On the morning of the third day, thunder roared, lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came on the mountain. There was a long blast from a ram's horn because the Lord said, nobody will approach me until the ram's horn blasts for a long time. And all the people trembled. And Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God. I love that. Come on, God, give us some leaders today that they would call us out of our normalcy and lead us into the mountain of God. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That we would not be content with just trying to figure out how to do life and trying to cope. Well, maybe I can apply some of these scriptures and try to make it through. No. God has called you out of bondage and he's called you to scale the mountain of the Lord and to experience him. Not through a pastor or a preacher or an evangelist, but for you to live in full communion with him. Yeah. Oh, that excites me. That excites me, man, because you don't have to live dependent on no person. You live dependent on the person. And that's what God said to me last night. I heard it clear as day as I was going to sleep. He said, I am raising up my burning ones. Oh, he's raising up a people that would burn with passion and fire, that would not be asleep, that would not be so worried about their dysfunctions. Listen, your dysfunction falls short in the glory of God. It cannot stand. Well, brother, well, once I get this together, no, I'm saying step in and watch what he does with your life. I heard Randy Clark say this a long time ago, 2013. He, he was praying a prayer. He said, Lord, I am nothing but a coin in your pocket. Spend me. If you take that kind of attitude with the Lord, God, I don't care if I'm a penny, a dime, or a nickel, or a quarter. Just use me. I just want to be a part of the process. What could he do with your life? Moses scales up this mountain for what? This for us would be prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is us stepping into the glory of God in communion with him. Yeah. I'm sorry we've been taught that prayer is this pleading and this groveling. No, it's this face-to-face -face encounter with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Where when we turn our affections to him, he comes. And when he comes, everything changes. You're like, prove it. Okay. Thursday night, we were in my living room. We have a thing called revivalists where we just gather a group of hungry people and we just worship God. And we really don't know what's going to happen. I have kind of a plan, but it never really goes the way I plan because it's just what God does. And so I come in and I'm about to teach on Mary of Bethany that night. 
But as we begin to worship, something's happening. Where my revival is, that something begins to happen in the atmosphere. You could just sense that he's doing something. And there was a girl there that hadn't been, she hadn't been to revivalist before. This was the second time we had done it at my house. And so as we begin to worship the Lord, we just sense his nearness. You understand what I'm talking about? His nearness comes into the room where you can feel that something is different. And she begins to weep. And now I've realized, okay, God, this night is about, not about anything that I have to say. It's not even really about my worship. You have, you have orchestrated this for her. We begin to worship God together, and we all begin to share, hey, what are the things that God is asking us to give up in order to step in? That was the only question she began to share. God is saying this, and he's saying this, and, and he was speaking this, and then I got here, and you said this, and she was crying. And I said, before this night is up, we're going to lay hands on you, and we're going we're to bless you, and we're going to speak life over you. Just tears, man. This is, the kind, this is the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us. You understand? This means yes. <laughs> this is the kind of relationship that he wants to have with us that, 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 that we would realize that he, is, he has created opportunities for us to have these encounters. How do I know that it changed? Because she went home and she got rid of almost all the stuff she had told us was in her way, yeah. including a relationship. Boom. Because when God truly touches you, we have to respond. It demands something. And so, and so listen, ministry becomes a lot easier when it becomes less about the objective and more about the person of Jesus. When we stop trying to gather in circles for this and we just say, God, we just come for you. That you would touch us and baptize us, God, and that you would purify us. I want to read to you a scripture. I'm all over the place, but it's because I wasn't going to preach this today, so. Are you okay? I want to read this to you. It's in Malachi. Actually, Covington came up to me with this scripture like two weeks ago. And then Holly came up to me with it on Thursday. And I'm like, well, I guess I should just preach it then. But it's amazing. Listen to this. This is speaking about the Lord. Malachi chapter 3. We can start at verse 2, but really, let's start at verse 3. Malachi 3, 3 says, He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver, so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. Did you hear that? The Lord would come like a refiner to us. How is gold made? Gold is made through the process of refining. Because when gold comes, it has a lot of imperfections, impurities, and it goes through the process of fire, and everything that comes out the other side comes out pure. And so we need to realize that that God, and this is, this is, we look at this process and we, we talk about it like it's painful. God, refine us. His refining is mercy. Yes. You hear me? The refinement of God, that he would choose to, to work out all of those things that we have chosen to bring into ourselves is mercy. Why? Because it is those things that stop us from being in full communion with him. So we create the problem and he fixes it with a solution so that we can have him. And I believe, I have this conviction that this is what we need in the world today. I don't know what plan you have for your life. I don't know what you, what we did vision boards in the beginning. I have mine in the back. And I had all these things. Half of it was running and I haven't ran but about five miles this year. It's terrible. But that we would allow God to refine our plans, our, 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 our passions, our pursuits. That it would be all dwindled down and burnt down to just him. 
that no matter what we face, we would be able to stand in the face of adversity, situations, trials. Oh, come on. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into a fire. Do you remember the story? When Nebuchadnezzar had built a monument unto himself, which is all that is happening in the world. Entertainment has been a monument unto himself. Sexual immorality, a monument unto himself. Monument after monument. And what God is looking for is a group of people that will say, I will not bow. Read Daniel 3. I will not bow. I don't care what threats you say. I don't care what social status. I will lose. I will be nameless and faceless if I could stand in the fire and have him. We'll say, no, 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 we want God. Listen, in the story of Daniel 3, the fourth man only ever appeared when they stepped in the fire. <laughs> Look, bring the, the fourth man was Jesus, if you didn't get it. We want Jesus, we want, no, no, listen. According to that story, it took them stepping into the unknown and saying, even if I die, I'll never bow. But in that place, the only thing that changes, this is the only thing that changed in Daniel 3. That which was, had them in bondage was burnt off. Read the story. They looked in the fire and say, we put in three men, but there's four. And that which was holding them in bondage is now burnt off. This is what happens when we step into the fire of God. That which was once holding us in bondage, that which was, was holding us back, as we step in in faith and in courage, God begins to burn those things away. And we find ourselves in the midst of the chosen one. He is Jesus. And I don't know what, I just feel like we live in a world with so many pursuits. I've been in the church world now for 11 years, man. And I've seen things built in the name of so many things. You understand what I'm saying? So many things built in the name of this and in the name of that and the name of success. And I, got, I think God is just saying, will, will, will there be one house that will build in my name? That they'll linger a little longer in worship. They'll allow my refinement to take place. They won't push away righteousness and holiness. They'll learn how to pray. I, I, I think prayer is like a cuss word in the church. If I say, hey, next Sunday, we're going to have bounce houses and food, we'll pack the place out. If I say, Sunday, we're going to pray all week. Not this house. <laughs> not this house. I'm just telling you, it's just not going to happen here. Because the Bible says my house will be called a house of prayer. Not a house of worship, not a house of preaching, not a house of community. My house will be called a house of prayer. And so I was listening to a sermon the other day. It was Francis Chan. You got to be careful with Francis Chan because you're two steps away from selling everything and going away. Like 30 seconds away. I love it. And he's like, I was praying. And as we were praying, we were going to have a one-hour prayer meeting. And then the one hour turned into two hours and the two hours to three hours. And then it was five hours. You know how he talks. He's like, and then we were there for 13 hours. And, uh, and I was like, and I thought to myself, 13 hours. I've never prayed for I don't, uh, 13 hours. And then he's like, think about how crazy it is. Some of, this is what he said after I thought it. He said, think about how crazy this is. Some of you, when I was saying that, you were thinking, 13 hours? <laughs> I'm driving. My hands are standing up right now. I'm driving. I'm like, oh, crap. He's like, think about how crazy it would be if you say, hey, hey, tomorrow I have to go spend 13 hours with my wife. You would think, what's wrong with him? Why wouldn't he not want to spend time which, with that person which he says he loves? 
And I'm like, well, crap, crap, Francis. What, what happens when the fire of God comes into our life? It's, listen, it's not literal fire. If you're a guest, hey, bro, I'm sorry. It's not literal fire. <laughs> what I'm talking about is this, the Spirit of God coming on us, right? This is his promise. He comes inside of us, but he also comes upon us. And as he comes upon us, he begins to rearrange the furniture on the inside. That bitterness I used to have towards this person, he says, hey, Gio, you got to get rid of that. That doubt and anxiety I used to have when I used to give away money because I didn't fully trust him, he's like, hey, Gio, what about that? That attitude I gave my wife, he's like, you should go apologize and probably do the dishes, bro. All those things are a part of his refinement. And as we choose to step in, what does fire do? I'll end here. It purifies. Fire consumes. I've never seen a house that halfway burned down. The only way it halfway burned down is if somebody came and put out the fire. The same way the only thing that could happen in your life that would stop the fire of God is if you were to go in and pour water on that thing. I've just never seen God burn a thing halfway. Fire spreads. Well, God has touched me and he's done an amazing. The only way that I can really tell if God has touched you is if you're really excited to tell somebody about what's happening in your life. Fire spreads. And the activity of this, and I want to preach this this week because next week is Pentecost Sunday. And I have, I'm fasting. I, I encourage you, whoever has the heart to fast with me next week and believe God. I don't care what you fast. I really, really don't. You know, fast looking to the left. I don't care. Just fast. Just fast. <laughs> I'm in a mood. I'm sorry. I'm in a mood. Just fast something and come with expectation that God would meet us in the way he did in Acts 2. I'm so tired of, you know, I'm just tired of this. And what God has been doing the last four weeks has been incredible. But it's still like, God, you promised more. <laughs> and so in, in, in the church, you preach, you get what you preach. If you preach about sin, you're going to get a lot of sinners. I can promise you that. If you preach, you get what you preach. And so what I believe God is saying to us is, will you, will you allow my fire? Hebrews 12 says this, that God is a consuming fire. I want to read it. I'll end here. I promise. We're going to pray. Do you believe me, guys? <laughs> ten more minutes, ten more minutes, ten more minutes. No, I'm kidding. Listen, Hebrews 12. You know this, therefore, since we're surrounded. But, and, but then in verse 14, there's a call. And it's, my Bible says this. It's a call to listen to God, to hear his voice. Hebrews 12, 14 says, work at living in peace with everyone. Amen. And work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. That's crazy. I want to just want to say, holiness is not found by you trying to achieve holiness. Holiness is found by you meeting God, the Holy One. It makes it a lot easier. If you're trying to achieve holiness, you will always fall short. Because holiness can only be found in the Holy One. So then he goes on and he says a lot of things about what we just talked about, the people of Israel, fire. But then at the end he says this. When God spoke, this is chapter, verse 26, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. 
This means that all creation, say all. All creation will be shaken and removed so that only that that is unshakable will remain. Since we are receiving, listen, this is your promise, man. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, that's inside of you. A kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. Some say trembling. And then it says this, for our God is a devouring. Mine says devouring, yours probably says a consuming fire. It's a part of who he is. God is both a gentle lamb and a roaring lion. To try to categorize God as one or another is a misrepresentation of who he is. He is a God of wrath and a God of mercy. I don't care if you don't like that, it's what it says. And what, what we need to do is say, God, we want to experience all of you. As we experience all of you, we will stand in all of you. <laughs> that rhymed. That we would, we would be open. And so I, I want us to stand. Let's stand together. I just want to say this, man. This working of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's an inward thing. I said it, but I want to say it again. It's an inward thing. Many of us, we don't like to deal with the inside things because we've been good at, really good at suppressing them, right? Hey, Covey, can you come up, bro, please? But, but listen, ships, ships do not sink because of the water around them. They're made to float on water the same way you're meant, according to your Bible, to go from glory to glory and to reign in this life. That's what your Bible says about you. If you've said yes to Jesus, your, your, your destiny is to rule and to reign with Christ and to live from glory to glory. Ships don't sink with water because what's around them, ships sink, the ships, oh, Lord, help me. I just feel this so strong. It, it's not what, some of us, we've been so influenced by what's outside of us. The only problem we have is because we've allowed what's outside to come in. They don't sink because of what's on the outside. They sink because of what's been allowed on the inside. And some of us, I just ask, I just ask you this week, man, what do we need to allow God to purify? What do we need to allow God to consume? And I just feel like this is just not a hype moment. I'm going to literally get on my knees and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I'm going to ask you to pray that God would prepare us. You know, I used to go camping all the time, and we used to go camping in Ocala National Forest. And every time we built a fire, I'll never forget, before you build a fire, you got to prepare a place for the fire. You don't just go to any pile of dirt. What do you do? You prepare the ground for what you're about to build so that the fire can sustain itself and last. And so I see this as a time of preparation. So would you pray with me all around? Father, I ask you in Jesus' name, God, to begin to do an inward work, God. If your word says that, God, you are a consuming fire, God, then allow us to be consumed by you. Father, I ask, I ask if there's any person here that is struggling, God, that you would touch that area of their life insecurity, insignificance, doubt.
God, I ask that your mercy and your grace would touch them. That you would move on every single person, God. God, that we would choose to be people of courage like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and step into the fire. That we may experience the fourth person. God, I ask that like Moses, we would be climb the mountain of the Lord. Oh, man. You know what, man, if, if I just want to say, if there's people here right now, you can keep your eyes closed. If there's anybody here right now that says, man, I have some things in my life that I need to either repent from or I need to just allow God to consume, would you just raise a hand? We want to pray with you. It's okay, man. This is not, keep your hand up. What we're going to do is we're going to pray. Who else? Listen, if you don't have a hand up, I want you to turn and just go pray for someone right now. You don't even have to touch them. You just, just stay close to them. If, if they're fine, I want you to go find my leaders, please. We want to pray with them right now and I'll, because I want them to know that there are people on the journey with them. Hand up if, if, nobody's, if nobody's praying for you yet. Right there in the middle, middle row. I just want you to pray and bless them right now all around the room. Just pray. Just begin to release over them. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that whatever they're dealing with, whatever they're going through, God, whatever the situation is, Lord, we just release grace on them right now in Jesus' name. Grace. Grace. All of those things that have been spoken over you, the lies, the things you've believed about yourself, Yep, we break it right now in Jesus' name. From grace to grace, from strength to strength. Father, I ask for a fresh encounter. Fresh encounter. Continue to pray, just continue to pray. Jesus, complete work, complete work. God, put them in community, God. Strength to strength. I just hear that. Strength to strength. Strength to strength. Glory to glory. I want to be tried. I want to be tried, Purify. You take whatever you desire. Yeah. Lord, here's my life. Thank you, Father. I wanna be tried. Yeah, just for a minute, just receive from him. Grace to grace, strength to strength. You take whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life. 